The Productive Woman, Episode 32. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. As always, thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what productivity means and a few lessons on building a truly productive life from Greg McKeon's book, Essentialism. You'll find links and information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 32. And this episode is brought to you by Doodle, an online service that makes scheduling meetings with groups of people a breeze. Check out the great features Doodle offers by visiting theproductivewoman.com slash doodle. Now, before we start, I want to say a big thank you. Thanks to the support of listeners and friends who nominated us, The Productive Woman is a finalist in the 10th Annual Podcast Awards. And I cannot tell you how surprised and thrilled I was to learn this. And it's all thanks to you. I'm excited that several other Noodle Mix Network podcasts also are finalists in their categories. I am really, truly proud to be in such good company. So thank you. Thank you for getting us to this point. I would very much appreciate your ongoing support in the voting. The podcast awards are determined by voting of listeners and, you know, fans of the podcast. So you can go to theproductivewoman.com slash podcast awards, that's all one word, to see a, a very short video that explains how and where to vote. And you can click on a button there to sign up to show your support. And um, it, that'll get you signed up to, if you want to, receive a quick email every day to remind you to vote until the voting closes on March 24th. 2015. So again, thank you so much for your support. It, it means so much to me. I, I can't even tell you. I want to thank Kendra Creason for pointing me to a really cool tool that she thought you might like, and it is our tool of the week. This is a little website or, or service called Daily Challenge. And if you go to their website, they have a short video that explains the service. But basically, you sign up and they send you an email each day with a challenge of some simple thing you can do that day to improve your health and well-being. I think the idea is to help you build healthy habits and sort of remind you to put yourself on your to-do list. I'll put a link in the show notes, which you'll find again at theproductivewoman.com slash 32. You can sign up for free, so definitely check it out. And thank you, Kendra, for the great tip. And that's our tool of the week. So let's get into the main topic of this episode. I I was thinking this week about what it means to be a productive woman. And I I really thought it would be worth clarifying it and what I mean when I talk about it and what that that title means to me. We tend to think about productivity in terms of how much stuff gets done. But being productive, as I think of it, is, is about more than just getting stuff done. It's about ordering your life in such a way as to be able to, to make a difference. 
To me, a productive woman isn't one who's, you know, powering through a long to-do list and juggling lots of balls and being on time for tons of appointments. A productive woman is a woman who is making a real contribution to the world, um, who's, who's maximizing the positive impact she has on the people in her life. And it, it's not about being famous or powerful either, but about finding that place where you belong, those things you can do to really contribute and make a difference, whether in a highly visible place or just in your quiet corner of the world. All this stuff that we talk about on, on the show about time management and organization and goal setting, those are all just tools to help you create that life that matters in whatever spheres of influence, large or small, that you find yourself. Now, one resource that I have found that has that's really helping me kind of crystallize my thinking on this issue is Greg McKeon's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Now, to be clear, this is not really a book about the the minimalism movement or the back-to-basics movement or even the simplification movement. It's about something more or, or deeper than that. It's a bit of a manifesto for structuring our lives to truly maximize the contribution we can make to our world. I read it toward the end of last year. I've mentioned it on the show before because it really had an impact on me. And um, in fact, a listener at one point emailed me and said, you know, we should talk about this book on the show, maybe go into it a little bit deeper. And so that's what I wanted to do here. The idea is that in a busy world where we, we often feel overwhelmed with all the stuff in our lives, this author encourages us to look very carefully and focus on only what's truly essential. There is so much good stuff in the book that it's hard to isolate just a few points to to talk about in the time we have. Uh, But I don't want to read the whole book to you. Instead, I'm going to share just some of the points that he makes in the book that really resonated with me in the hopes that you'll pick up a copy and read it yourself. So. you know, one of the things that I I really liked uh, echoes something we've discussed in the past about productivity. He says this, essentialism is not about how to get more things done. It's about how to get the right things done. It doesn't mean just doing less for the sake of less either. It's about making the wisest possible investment of your time and energy in order to operate at our highest point of contribution by doing only what is essential. Uh, and I just thought that was, you know, really a good kind of touchstone for what it's all about. The guiding principle behind most of the book, almost a mantra, a mantra, mantra, a mantra throughout the book is the idea of less but better. And you read that throughout the book. He, 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 he kind of explains where that came from uh, in a really interesting story, but um, it applies, as I thought about it, in so many areas. He talks a lot about uh, activities and obligations, but, but less but better 
can apply in other areas of our life. Instead of a closet stuffed full of clothes, how about fewer but better quality pieces that fit perfectly and make you feel beautiful? Instead of a kitchen full of dishes and pans and tools that you rarely use and that just, you know, clutter your home, how about fewer but better quality and more versatile pieces? And certainly, instead of multiple events and activities and organizations, how about fewer but more personally meaningful, those that w where we can use our, our best skills and talents to really make a difference? One of the things that McKeon says in the book, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, I, I'm just going to say that up front. I've never actually heard it spoken, so I'm doing my best. Um, but one of the things he, he says is, the idea of essentialism is about pausing constantly to ask, am I investing in the right activities? Not just taking on more and more obligations and, and you know, whatever opportunities present themselves, but is this the best? Is this the right choice for me at this time? He talks in the book about what he calls the core mindset of an essentialist, and that is acknowledging three realities and really deeply understanding that these are realities that govern the world we live in. The first one he says is the reality of individual choice. This echoes back to what we talked about with Alison Sheridan, I think with, uh, in episode 29, we can choose. And that is a reality. We don't, sometimes we don't think so, but we can choose. We always have a choice. There are consequences to our choices, but we do get to choose. The second reality that he talks about in the book is the reality of the, the prevalence of noise, is what he calls it. And he says this, almost everything is noise, and a very few things are exceptionally valuable. And, and that, as he explains in the book, is why it's worthwhile to spend the time it takes to evaluate and determine what's really important, what's really essential in our lives. And the third reality that he talks about in the book as part of the core mindset of an essentialist is the reality of trade-offs. And we've talked about this before, and, and this is something I've really been thinking about a lot. I've always believed this, nobody can have it all or do it all. And so as he puts it, the question is not, how can I make it all work? The question is, what problem do I want to solve? The The idea of trade-offs is that whenever, whatever it is we choose, we're choosing not to do other things. We're going to have to give up maybe time um, to save some money, for instance, or you know, there, he gives a lot of examples in the book. And the question is, which problem are we going, there, there, there are, if you want to call them problems, with whatever choice we make. And the question is always, instead of how can I do all these things, which problem do I want to solve? Which one am I willing to live with? So that's, again, what he calls the core mindset of an essentialist, these three realities of individual choice, the prevalence of noise and the reality of trade-offs. And that those kind of weave them their way throughout the book as he looks at a lot of, um, uh, of applications of it. 
Another thing that he talks about in, in the book, and again, we're talking about uh, uh, Greg McKeon's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, uh, kind of a radical concept in this, um, in, in our modern day culture of more, more, more. Um, so he talks about a, a three-step approach to living as an essentialist. And the three steps are, he uses the words explore, eliminate, and execute. And so the first step is to explore many options. He says, it's, again, he, he says earlier, it's not about doing less for the sake of doing less. What an essentialist does, he says, is look at as many options as possible and really think deeply about them look at the whole spectrum of what's available in a given situation. Say if you're trying to decide on a career, trying to decide, um, uh, choose a, a volunteer activity, I, I, just anything. And he says, as you look at them, ask the right questions. Uh, what do I feel deeply inspired by? What am I particularly talented at? And we all have something we're particularly talented at. And what meets, meets a significant need in the world? And he says at the intersection of those things is what he calls, and I'm quoting, our highest level of contribution, the right thing, the right way, at the right time. So remembering this reality of trade-offs and the fact that we can choose, okay, we, we, when we're looking at all the various options available to us, we're looking for the, the choice that intersects what inspires and moves and motivates us, what we're talented at, the gifts and talents that we have, and the, a significant need in the world. And the world can be our little corner of the world. It's not necessarily, you know, we're not all going to be president of the United States or, or something like that. Um, the goal, he says, is to distinguish the vital few from the trivial many. And that goes back to the, the second of the three realities, the prevalence of noise and the fact that very few things bring exceptional value into our lives. So that's the first step um, of the three-step approach to living as an essentialist is to explore many, many options. Take the time to do that. Uh, the second step is to eliminate, and this goes back to the reality of trade-offs. Um, eliminate everything that's not just the right thing, that's not the essential, the most valuable, the most important. And he, this again, we're going back to the reality of trade-offs. And I, there was a quote, I, I marked up this book more than I, I, I don't usually mark up books, but this one, I, there were lots of things I had to mark so I could find them and think about them again. And uh, one thing he said that I thought was so important to think about the, is this, and I'm quoting, the real question is not how we can do it all. It is who will get to choose what we do and don't do. When we forfeit our right to choose, someone else will choose for us. And there's a whole, a whole uh, section, you know, of the book about this concept of choosing for ourselves and, and acknowledging that if, if we don't choose for ourselves, somebody else is going to choose. If we don't prioritize our life, somebody else is going to do it. 
And so we choose what we're going to eliminate and what we're going to focus on. And the third step of this three-step approach to living as an essentialist is execute. That's to do whatever it is that thing that we've chosen as the essential, as the valuable, the vital few. Instead of fighting friction to make things happen, we invest our time, he says, in, in creating a system for removing obstacles so that the execution of our goals is as easy as possible. And I really liked this section of the book where he talked about this um, removing obstacles and the, that concept instead of um, our, our goals, our things being, you know, something we have to battle and fight hard to accomplish. The, the attitude is looking around at the situation and removing obstacles so this, that our execution become, becomes frictionless or more frictionless, I guess. And... And an interesting echo, again, of what we talked about a couple different times recently, including back in episode 29 with Allison Sheridan, he talks about the difference between choices, what he calls options, and choosing, which is our actions or our free will. And I, I really liked that section. It really made me think about that distinction because a choice or an option is a thing that can be taken away. But even if our options are taken away from us by outside circumstances or other people, our core ability to choose cannot be. Just, you know, think about that. Um, really, really a profound uh, shift, I guess, in, in a way of thinking about our life. As a guide to making decisions, um, McKeon offers this statement that, again, kind of becomes a, a mantra in our decision-making process. And, and, and again, I'm quoting here, if it isn't a clear yes, then it's a clear no. So the idea is not, well, would this work? Or could I do this? Or might this be good? But am I so enthusiastic, impassioned, absolutely certain about this choice? Is this exactly what I'm looking for? Uh, he, he's basically saying, I think, don't settle. Say no to everything except the absolute yes. You know, I, I, again, he, he talks about this in the context of activities and commitments, but I, I, as I read it and thought about it, you know, the same could apply to possessions and so on. And for me, I'm not a very good shopper. Um, and, and I can't, I, count the number of times I've bought an item of clothing because I needed, you know, say a dress for work. And I found something and it worked, even if I wasn't wildly crazy about it, you know, maybe the color was pretty, but it, it, um, wasn't, didn't fit perfectly. It maybe is a little baggy in some place or whatever only, but, but, you know, Hey, this'll work only to, so I buy it and then I get it home and I end up wearing it only once or twice and it clutters up my closet because it's not, um, it wasn't an absolute enthusiastic yes. And his, throughout the book, he talks about this, that, that you're better to do without than to give a half-hearted yes or a desperate yes of, you know, in, in the case of opportunities or jobs or whatever, um, um, 
you know, out of, well, this may be my last chance. So I'm going to say, yes, it's not, you know, exactly what I'm looking for. He, he, he really seems to be saying, say no to everything except the, something that's exactly what you're looking for. Something to consider. Um, there are a few practical points he makes throughout the book. I mean, there's so much good there. I really, I really do encourage the, uh, you to pick up a copy of this book. Um, a couple of things. He talks about the importance of making space in your life, space to concentrate, space to read, space to escape from the noise and demands of your busy life and um, to just think and explore your options. Um, really uh, valuable and, you know, admittedly hard to do, but uh, something worth thinking about. He talks about the importance of getting, he has a whole section about the importance of getting adequate sleep. And in a section called, he, he titled Protecting the Asset, he said this, and I thought, man, this is such a good point. And I'm quoting, the best asset we have for making a contribution to the world is ourselves. If we underinvest in ourselves, and by that I mean our minds, our bodies, and our spirits, we damage the very tool we need to make our highest contribution. You know, we as women, we tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the list and think we can, you know, get more done if we just skip sleep or we miss meals or we, you know, don't take time to exercise or, or take time to you know, meditate or whatever those things are that we need. And he, he makes such a good point that, that in, in doing these things, in not taking care of ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, we're damaging the tool we need to serve the world around us. So really, really a good point. He has a great chapter on saying no gracefully. And that's as part of that step of eliminating the non-essential. He says essentialists say no a lot. So you might as well get good at it. He has some really, really good suggestions, um, but I'm, you know, I don't really have time to go into all the details of it, but, um, one of the ones that I thought was really good was separating the decision from the relationship. He says, denying the request is not the same as denying the person. And, you know, we've talked about this in a past episode, um, on, um, saying no gracefully, and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to go back and re-listen to that, um, that w w we need to settle in ourselves that it's okay to say no, that we're not rejecting the person by saying no to the request um, before we can have the confidence to say no to those things that aren't, that aren't essential, aren't the right things for us at the right time. He has literally several pages of different ways to say no. The book is for, for women like me who don't like to disappoint anybody and, and you know, want to try and keep people happy. That section alone is worth the price of the book because literally there's just several pages of different ways and, and approaches to saying no. But the, the key point that I've tried to focus on in, in this saying no um, the thing that I thought was really good is he says this, and uh, quoting, in virtually every instance, clarity about what is essential fuels us with the strength to say no to the non-essentials. 
So again, it's, it's about understanding who we are, what our place is, looking at the options and, and being very, very clear in our own minds about what is essential and essential in that sense of, um, consistent with us, with, with us ordering our lives in such a way that we can make our maximum contribution to the world and the people around us. And when we become crystal clear on what that is, it can make us strong enough to say no to everything else. Really, um, something I'm really trying to think about. He also has a really interesting section on the benefits of routines, which we've talked about in a previous episode. So, uh, you know, just so much there. I've, I've just barely scratched the surface. It's, it's, what can I say? I really encourage you to pick up a copy of this book and take the time to read it and study it and savor it. I thought it was interesting, um, another little resource that I'd throw out for you. Um, after I had already planned and outlined this episode, I discovered that one of my Noodle Mixed Noodle Mix Network colleagues, Eric Fisher, actually recently published an episode on his uh, podcast, Beyond the To-Do List, um, on a similar concept, which was specializing in order to excel. And... Um, check, so check out episode 89 of beyond the to-do list. I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, which features his conversation with John Bell, author of another book that looks really good called do less better. Um, really where that's on my to read the list this year, you know, I, I guess without, without taking the time to read the whole book to you, I, 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 that's kind of the limits of, of what I can do is hit the highlights here. Of the many, many books I've read in the past year, Greg McKeon's book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, is probably the book that had the most impact on me. It is the kind of book I will reread more than once. It's the kind that, as I said, it, it compelled me to mark and highlight passages in the book. I read a hard copy of it, um, and I almost never mark up my books because I'm just neurotic that way. I don't like to deface my books. I, I read books carefully and take care of them because I, I love books. I've been a bookworm since I was about five years old. But if you're feeling the stress of just too much in your life and um, struggling to figure out how to create a life of significance, I really encourage you to pick up this book. And there'll be a link in the show notes that will take you right to where you can buy it in, on Amazon. So what do you think? Um, did any of the concepts I mentioned resonate with you? I know I hit them kind of fast and couldn't go into much depth, but um, was there anything there that kind of pinged you? Have you read the book, Essentialism? Wh what did you think? I would love to hear your thoughts on this topic or on the book if you've read it. So please feel free to share your thoughts or ask your questions by going to theproductivewoman.com slash 32, and you can scroll down to the comments section. I would love to hear from you. A couple of quick announcements before we wrap up. And, um, this is kind of the last call for your input. I am preparing for an upcoming episode and really would, would love to have your help. 
uh, I want to talk about the productivity rules that don't work. And so what I would love to hear from you is, are there any like time management or organization rules that you've read or heard that, you know, the experts say you should, you really have to do this, um, but they just don't work for you? I'd, I'd love to hear what those are. You can email those to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, or you can leave a voice message either at the website or on the Productive Woman Facebook page. I'm always happy to hear from you. I, I welcome your suggestions and ideas for how I can make this show um, really useful to you. So if there's something you'd like me to talk about, let me know. There, You can reach out to me in any number of ways. If you want to start a public conversation, you can share those questions or thoughts in the comment section of the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 32. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman's Facebook page. I do pay attention to those. I respond personally to comments in either place. If you want to share your thoughts with me privately, I welcome that. You can email your questions, your comments, your suggestions to me at feedback at the Productive Woman. Or again, leave a voice message at the website or on the Facebook page. Uh, I'd like to ask a, a small favor. If if you're enjoying the podcast, I, it would be a huge help to me if you would consider rating and reviewing The Productive Woman in iTunes and Stitcher. There are links to subscribe or rate and review um, available in the show notes at theproductivewoman.com slash 32. And I would really appreciate your feedback. So I, it helps me know whether I'm on target with the podcast. I'd like to say a thank you to uh, listener Quilter Maggie, uh, who left a really nice uh, five-star review or five-star rating and a, a quick review in iTunes. She said, I really enjoy the variety of information provided on this podcast. Thank you for the research you do on the many topics you discuss. So thank you, Quilter Maggie. I, I, it's, I, I'm glad you, you find something useful in it. Uh, last couple of things before we wrap up, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Doodle. Uh, this is a, a, a application, a program that has really solved a problem for me. If you've ever had tried to schedule a meeting or an event with a group of people, um, by email or or even phone, you know it can be a frustrating and time-consuming process. You, you know exactly what I mean. You've probably experienced that frustration of sending an email and getting a bunch of responses and half the people say, this day works, and the other people say, no, that doesn't work for me, and you, you're having to keep track of who's responded and what works you know, for who. Doodle can solve that problem. It's an online scheduling tool that makes it easy to schedule a meeting with one or more people. And I am one of 24 million people who use Doodle each month to save time and schedule a wide variety of events. You can be one of those people too. Uh, registration is not required, so getting started is very simple. To, to schedule a meeting, you simply select some possible dates and times by clicking on a, a kind of a calendar thing within the, in the app or on the website there. And then you uh, invite the participants, the people that you want to be in this event by just entering their email addresses. Uh, you click send and then they get an email and they can come back and, and 
click from among the choices you've offered which ones work for them. It can be used to schedule things like business meetings, holiday parties, maybe uh, you know some sort of event that you're doing for a charity, or even just dinner with friends. The basic scheduling service is free, uh, and they also offer a free personal scheduling profile called Meet Me. Premium Doodle is available starting at only $39 a year, and it offers some great additional features such as integration with your calendar, automatic reminders, and a bunch more. Um, so, you, again, you can get started for free by visiting their site. Be sure to check out their iPhone and Android apps. They tell me they'll be launching new apps in April of 2015, so I'm looking forward to those because I use the, the app on my iPhone now and really find it helpful. So scheduling doesn't have to be a pain. You can make it an enjoyable and simple experience with Doodle and learn more by simply going to theproductivewoman.com slash doodle. And let me know what you think. And thank you so much to Doodle for supporting The Productive Woman. Finally, one last reminder, you can vote daily for The Productive Woman and the other Noodle Mix Network podcasts that are finalists in the podcast awards. Thank you again for your support that got us to this, this point of being a finalist. Please go to theproductivewoman.com slash podcast awards to learn how you can vote and where to vote and all that. And again, thank you so very much for your support. It, it really means the world to me. And that's it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you for spending this time with me. I don't take it lightly. It, 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 it's very important to me I, that I, you know, I hope you found something in the show that was helpful to you. I do look forward to talking with you again soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.